From Vestavia Hills City Schools, this is The Intentional Pursuit. Hey everybody, I'm Whit McGee. And I'm Brooke Wedgworth. And isn't it so great to finally be in May, Brooke? I mean, I can't believe it's May. <laughs> it's been a long school year, but I will say, especially this spring, it has flown by. It really has. And, you know, I was talking to an assistant principal a couple of days ago, and uh, she said, you know, it's how good of a feeling it is to just have a May in school, to have kids still in the building, to have everybody here and doing well and excited about summer. We couldn't say that this time last year. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Well, and and of course, our team here uh, at our district level and throughout the school system is already looking ahead to the 21-22 school year. And uh, one of those things that uh, we're going to be talking about today is math. But before we get into that, I do want to make mention of our last episode with Shay Harrell, kindergarten teacher at Vestavia Hills Elementary East. Yes, and Shay did a great job really sharing a lot of tips for parents. So we called it kindergarten readiness, and it really should prepare your kids to feel confident and secure entering kindergarten. So parents, um, family members, if you have a student who will be entering kindergarten for the first time, you definitely will want to check out that episode. Yeah, that's a good shareable episode. And it's on Spotify and it's on Google Podcast, free to listen on either of those platforms. So definitely uh, send an email to a friend if you know somebody that's got a preschooler or somebody getting ready for kindergarten. That's a great one. But uh, as we mentioned here at the outset, we're talking about math today. And the state of Alabama passed a new math course of study that was adopted during the 2019 2020 school year. Um, So we wanted to uh, just spend a little time today sort of pulling back the veil on what all of that looks like and then talk about some ways that uh, we're supporting students and what parents can do from a supportive standpoint as well. And so we brought on an expert here in the community to talk about that. Rachel Stockard is uh, currently a math specialist with the Alabama Math and Science Technology Initiative. You probably know them better by their initials Amstai. Uh, She is a former teacher in the Hoover School System, where she taught kindergarten and first grade, uh, and is uh, actually just finishing her 25th year in education. And she is no stranger to Vestavia School. She is a Vestavia resident and parent of two of our Vestavia Hills students. So Rachel, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And Rachel's going to share a little bit with us more in the next few minutes about the new course of study and just tips for things you can do at home with your kids. But before we get to that, I really want to share some updates with you about the new course of study. Rachel will reference the elementary course of study a little bit more, but I want to talk to you specifically about some of the changes that you may be aware of with the high school courses, the order of those courses, and even some changes with our middle school courses. So one thing that we did, we went on and started implementing some of the new course of study this school year because it's our transition year. So one thing we did this year is we had all of our ninth graders take the new geometry with data analysis course. And so that's a change. Usually students would take that course later on in high school. But now that is a course that all ninth graders take. So if you have a kid in ninth grade, you probably experienced that this year, and that will continue in the upcoming years. Another change that you might be aware of 
is we now have what's called a seventh grade accelerated math course and an eighth grade accelerated math course. And so we started with that seventh grade accelerated course this year because students who choose to take that pathway will need the seventh and the eighth grade course to have that completed. And really what's interesting about that is it gives students that opportunity to be on that accelerated pathway and those two years of math really encompass three math courses. So in that, we have the seventh grade math standards, the eighth grade math standards, and the Algebra One with probability standards. So it's really three years of math in two years, kind of spread out over those two years. So the, the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade standards for math are, are still rigorous and provide a great experience for our students in math. But if you have a child who really wants that accelerated pathway, um, they do have that option to start in seventh grade with that seventh accelerated course. Then they would continue with that second part in eighth grade. And then they would take geometry in ninth grade. And if they choose to do those two years of accelerated math in seventh and eighth grade, they have the option to go on in 10th grade and take Algebra two with Statistics. And then after that, they can continue with pre-calculus, calculus, or other specialized courses. Now, if your child just wants to continue, you know, taking the seventh grade and eighth grade, the regular math courses, that's also a great option. They will also take geometry in ninth grade. And then in 10th grade, they will take Algebra one with probability and follow that the next year with Algebra two with statistics. So it, that is a little bit of a change up. If you've had kids who are older, they probably had those in different orders. I do like the option of having that Algebra one course paired with the Algebra two course. And I think that's that really is um, a great correlation for many of our students. So that's what I would say are some of the bigger changes that parents would wanna know about, especially if you have kids in middle school and in high school. And one other thing, just as a note that we added in in our district, is we did add an advanced math course for our sixth graders as well. So that is an option if your students choose to try that in sixth grade, that is a great option. It doesn't really affect what they do in the years after that, but the um, taking the seventh grade course does. So I think that's important for students and parents to all be aware of those changes. So now I'm gonna let Rachel tell us a little bit more about our elementary math um, course of study. And Rachel, I'm just really interested in what are some of the changes that you're aware of that we may see with our new um, elementary courses and what will that mean for mathematics instruction? Okay, so um, the K-2 standards from the 2019, not a lot has changed. Um, Previously, in 2009, the standards um, had kindergarten and first grade working on money and identifying money. Well, they pulled that out because, you know, the, the shift from the older way that math was taught, the newer way is, is really going deeper, not wider. So we're, we're going deeper in content versus teaching everything. We're kind of spacing some of those um, subject matters out. For example, Again, money was taught in kindergarten and first grade. And so what we were able to see is that if kids don't understand place value, the money piece of that is, is going to be a struggle. I know that I struggled with understanding that actually a quarter or a nickel is actually 
less than a dime. And so understanding that that money was always really tough for younger elementary teachers. Um, so that that was actually pulled out. Um, currently, they brought that back in because they did see the need for students to have more fami familiarity with money and time versus just kind of it coming over in second grade. So um, patterns is another thing that um, was moved from the younger grades to the um, upper grades. I believe it was fourth grade. Patterns was a big focus in the K-2 world that um, was going to eventually attach that to number. But they figured out, obviously, that the kids needed needed to have that experience, so they brought that back down. So, you know, the when the 2012 came out, they they it made a lot of drastic changes. But currently, they kind of brought some of that back as they field tested the the standards out for those six years. So, um, those would be the biggest um, changes in K two, um, three five. Not a ton has changed either. Um, mostly is 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 the content is important as far as go, going deeper, not wider. So we're not covering mass amounts. We're going, um, we're covering a few things well. And so that was, that's the biggest change in the standards, I would say, currently. They're focusing more on understanding. Um, a lot of the way that we learn math was very procedural. And so the conceptual part of that, of students learning and, and doing math and putting their hands on manipulatives, um, we we know that that is best practice for math instruction. And so the standards really align with those practices. So it makes it a lot more fluid for teachers um, and makes it more of a seamless instruction. And a side note to that, which I didn't mention earlier, is along with having a new course of study, it also allows us the opportunity to adopt new curriculum materials. And so that's something we've really been looking at for most of this school year is what are all of our options out there that we can provide for our teachers and for our students to really have the best math experience. And so I am excited that for our elementary teachers and students, we have adopted Bridges and Mathematics. And so our teachers will go through training this summer and they will receive all the materials and be ready to teach those new standards with the um, new materials starting in August, at the beginning of next school year. So just after really examining um, what Bridges has to offer, I'm so excited that our kids are going to have that experience mm -hmm. because it really is, it's, it is about doing math and not just, you know, doing computation. Sure. That's a piece of it. But our kids will really be able to build that understanding piece as they are doing math and using manipulatives and models and playing math games. So I'm excited about the experience that our kids will have with that and what that's going to mean after our kids have that kindergarten through fifth grade and really have the opportunity over six years to build that mathematical understanding. That's great. And that sounds like that really speaks to, Rachel, what you were talking about, the idea that we're moving away from the procedure yes. side of things and more to those understanding the concepts. Sure. Uh, is, is that something that you feel like has been a trend over the last few years? Uh, are there any other shifts that you've seen over the last few years in terms of math instruction? So, you know, the way that we learned math was sitting in rows and and the teacher did most of the talking. And, you know, you I remember having that, you know, 150 computation problems. And at the bottom, you had the two problem solving and you were fine in that computation and you could do 150 problems. 
But when it was at the bottom, those two problems that were the problem solving that you had to apply that computation to, that computation isolated is no good if you can't apply it. So what these standards are advocating is students that they're able to make sense of problems and and reason quantitatively and abstractly. And, you know, I'll talk about the math practices in just a minute, but those habits of mind is a huge shift because we're we're trying to move away from that traditional type of math classroom. When we walk into classrooms and we see kids having that mathematical discourse and having conversations and kids that are actively involved with solving problems, it's not the typical math classroom that you you would see or hear when we were in school. You know, you couldn't talk during math. And right now we want kids talking during math. We want the teacher to do less talking and the students to do more because, you know, whoever works the hardest learns the most. So I think there's a statistic where kids should talk 70% of the time and the teacher should talk 30. So that kind of is a huge shift in the way we were brought up in class and math classrooms look very, very different from the way we were in school. And, and, and some of these shifts, I, I think it's important to point out, this is not just people in education sort of pulling this idea out of a hat and saying, let's try this. This is driven largely by the business community in Alabama saying, this is what we need our people to be able to do, right? Absolutely. So that is the um, premise of how AMSTA actually began. We had business leaders come to the education world and said, you know, hey, we're getting kids that are prepared for rote type jobs but we need problem solvers. We need critical thinkers. We need students that can have cooperative learning, that can talk to each other and work through things. And so these standards really aligned with our initiative before they even came out. You know, we had this pedagogy before these standards came out. And so when these standards actually came out, you know, our initiative was like, yay, we have some backup, you know. And so um, it's been really neat to see the trends Um shift toward that. It's taking a long time. And, you know, people like to hold on to certain practices because, you know, I hear this a lot. Well, I'm fine. You know, I had math that way and I'm fine. And I'll ask them to, you know, do a computation problem and they'll say, well, you know, you do nine and nine and you carry a one. And I say, is that actually a one? (laughs) And they're like, oh, that's a 10. And Mm. I said, well, so, you know, it's things like that, that, um, that, that that is really funny to hear parents say, but. Well, and I'm so glad that the math classroom and experience looks different now. I mean, as somebody who I was in elementary school a very long time ago, and all I remember is the teacher showing us how to do it, and there was one way to do it, and then you worked 30 problems out of your textbook, and you did them all the same way 30 times. So I'm so excited that our students, my own kids, have had a very different math experience. And I will say, um, having been in our schools and our classrooms and math training, watching Rachel even do demonstration lessons, the way I do math now is so different. So I, you know, I really do mental math now and I use the strategies that I've seen our students use and it's it makes it a lot makes it makes it make sense, but it's also um, a lot more interesting. It makes kids want to learn math. Yes. And so being a part of this community, a lot of parents will, you know, call me and say, what is this new math? And, you know, this is crazy math. And it's actually not new math. You know, you talk to um, 
grandparents, you know, they 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 did math that made sense. They didn't go to a grocery store when something was three ninety nine and three ninety nine and add the nine and nine and carry a one, which is actually a ten. They would just say four dollars and four dollars. I'm going to take away two. So that's the sense making part of math that we're trying to deprogram the procedural part that they understand that math can make sense. And the, you know, the math anxiety that we see in kids and, you know, we'll ask in our training, we'll ask adults to say, you know, tell us your math story, tell us your math biography. And it's always terrible. And so, you know, to be a part of building kids confidence in math and, and I think, you know, Vestavia does a wonderful job with allowing their teachers to have the time to learn and grow in professional development. And it's just, it's just seeing great things here. It's just really exciting. That's great. Well, you know, you're talking a good bit about math behaviors mm-hmm. um, and, and how important that is. Um, could you expand a little bit on, on those behaviors and, and how they integrate into the course of study? Absolutely. So one of the biggest pieces, um, one of the biggest changes is that not only do we look at teachers have math content for their specific grade, for example, adding within 100 in, in second grade, using strategies and properties of operation. That is a content standard for second grade. What the standards have brought to us that are super important are the mathemat- standards for mathematical practices. Those are habits of mind. Those are behaviors we want to see in our students, one of which is making sense and persevering. Sometimes kids persevering through hard things is not something that we pay attention to, but these practices really make students, you know, I know it's hard, but we're going to keep working. And having that language, and even the students have that language in the classroom, you know, the teacher will say, you know, we need to we need to persevere through this and problem solving. That's one example. We want kids to reason abstractly. We want them to talk about, be critical thinkers. We want them to be able to construct viable arguments with their peers and how wonderful would that be if we could argue appropriately and have, you know, respectful ways of critiquing the reasoning of others? Kids need to talk to each other and say, I don't just, I don't agree with you on that problem, and here is why. We want kids to be able to defend their reasoning. We want kids to be able to model with mathematics. Um, it doesn't end in the classroom walls, but learning to model with mathematics is super important. Um, we see the benefits of that when they're able to represent their thinking um, using the right tools that they need to know what a protractor is for and when do I need to use a calculator and having those tools readily accessible in classrooms where students can say, you know what, I don't really know how to make a square root, so I'm going to go get some tiles and I can actually see that. We want them to be able to have that independence that they're able to grab what they need to solve their problems. Um, attending to precision, um, calling things what they are, you know, the, well, I hear a lot of greater than and less than the alligator, you know, the alligator opens his mouth, you know, right. we, we just need to call it greater than or less than. And so attending to precision and making sure that we're using that mathematical vocabulary, um, looking for structure and looking for patterns. And really this applies to math, but it actually applies to real world, to real life. If we can have all these habits in everything that we do, it just makes you a more well-rounded person. So these behaviors and um, standards for mathematical practice practice are a huge part of the standards, and and they are actually K twelve. So these are these are K twelve behaviors in all of our students in the state of Alabama that we're we're hoping to get students to to use. 
I'm sure um, parents are wanting to know, what are some things I can do at home, specifically with, let's say, like my elementary student? What are some things I can do at home to support them or even just to promote like good mathematical quality? So are there specific tips, like how do I make math part of my everyday life or specific games and activities? So do you have a few suggestions you can share? It even goes back to younger, younger preschool kids and sorting laundry. You know, what are the differences in this pile and this pile? Cooking, you know, cooking with your kids and having those mathematical conversations and, you know, not riding down the road asking what two plus two is, but just any t- we do math in everything we do, telling time, you know, asking all sorts of questions, and but just being intentional. You know, this this podcast is about being intentional, and so being intentional about math in everyday life. You know, not not forcing children to sit down and and do fifty seven you know computation problems. Um, lots of math games that are out there, you know, play in Candyland with your, with your, you know, young K kindergarten and first grade babies. And, you know, just having math games, a part of, of their life, like I said, cooking and, you know, just integrating math in everyday, in everyday life. Um, you know, Vestavia has done a really good job about being proactive with arming parents with strategies and communicating, you know, Hey, in second grade, this is how we're going to add and subtract. Um, you know, and and parents really adhering to those strategies is very helpful for the teachers. Um, one of the biggest things that we face in the elementary is that cross out and borrow. You know, that is moved to fourth grade for a reason. So that cross out and borrow, where we cross out and do all those procedures, there's a lot that has to happen in those younger grades for them to actually do that. And it is efficient when you're dealing with big numbers, but you know. The, the parents um, are are very helpful when they're they're listening to the teacher and the teachers are expressing to them, you know, this is how we're going to do math and adding and subtracting and multiplication and division. That is the biggest help that parents can do is just really walk alongside the teachers and understanding, you know, and getting behind them on those on those strategies. And anytime you have a question or a concern about that, you know, you can always ask your teachers because they really have been trained on these new standards and and trusting them is is probably the best thing that teacher that parents can do. That's such great advice. And I think like you said, looking for those opportunities to do math in everyday life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we all probably spend a lot of time in the car, so it's a great time to talk about math. Um, grocery store, yes. I know with my own kids, I will second what you said about cooking. Cooking with your kids and teaching is a great way to teach not just measurement, but fractions, <laughs> especially because we're always having to half the recipe for when we make waffles. And so when you're learning to half a recipe and then you have to half fractions, it's a, it's really such a great skill. So look for those opportunities to, you know, to count, yes. to sort, to measure, to do money, teaching your kids to tip and figure out that percentage. Yep. I mean, so many wonderful opportunities to do math. 
Absolutely. And Brooke, if you ever have any leftover waffles, I'd be happy to take them off your hands. <laughs> then we wouldn't have to have the yeah, recipe. Just make the whole. <laughs> right, right. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. This is great information, and I uh, hope it's been useful for our parents and families, and uh, certainly is going to be a, a big topic of conversation as we go into next school year, uh, equipping students with these great strategies to learn math. So, Rachel, thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Rachel. And one thing, just a side note for parents, I know Rachel and I've talked about this, but in the past we've done some math sessions for parents at our elementary schools, and we've had lunch and learns or just come in and do math games with your kids. And so that's something um, for next year that we've planned is to really pick that back up and provide those opportunities for our parents to learn more about math, what what does that math instruction look like? And then to really experience the joy of, of math with your students. So we're looking forward to that next school year. Yeah, that's something I'm really excited to pick back up is some of those meetings and opportunities for parents to come in and see in person the exciting things that are going on. So if you are listening and you are a Vestavia Hills parent, uh, be on the lookout for some of those dates in the uh, next school year. And to everybody listening, thank you for joining us on the Intentional Pursuit.